0: Greetings listeners and listener land, this is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune with the incomparable Mark Langston on the other end there. One of the things that we love to do on this show is highlight uh, local nonprofits that are doing some tremendous work in our community, and the particular one that we're talking about today has been doing that for well over 100 years, and you may know them by their name of Kingdom House, and they are now... LifeWise STL, and we have Scott Walker, who's president and CEO of LifeWise STL, on the line with us. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune Scott.
1: Well, thank you. It's a joy to be on and with you today. Oh, yeah. So
0: can you give us a little background, uh, you know, of the organization? And it obviously began in 1902 with Kingdom House. Give us a little background about wow. how that came about.
1: Well, back in 1902, there was a uh, gentleman uh, who was an executive at a shoe factory, which for those that have a long St. Louis history know that St. Louis used to be the second biggest shoe manufacturing city in the United States. But he knew that the wages uh, that he was paying in his factory weren't good enough to support um, them. So he started, along with his church, Lafayette United Methodist Church, um, what is known then as Kingdom House back in 1902. Hmm. And really provided basic services stabilization services uh, to the clients at that time.
0: And they were working with there, a lot we, of immigrants weren't they too Scott?
1: It, it really was It started out with a immigrant uh, population uh, over the years has fluctuated somewhat uh, but today is probably equally 50 pretty close to 5050 over the years of both immigrant and, and black participants.
0: Now I really like one of the things that you have. Uh, on your website is that you had a metamorphosis and moved away from crisis service transitions toward a holistic transformation. Mm -hmm. And what was the rationale for that?
1: Well, you know what? When I came on board 10 years ago and I started visiting other nonprofits, I kept hearing a lot of the same thing. And this was, there's a Mrs. Smith. She's a third generation of her family we've been able to help. And as I reflected, we were guilty of that, too. And the tagline behind that always was, isn't that great? With the thought that we've been around so long, we've been able to help three generations. But if you think about it, it's not great because we shouldn't be supporting the same family for three generations. We should have programming in place that creates a pathway out of poverty for them. Um, So that was what really moved uh, the needle for us to start looking at how we programmed.
0: And as I watched one of your videos I I noticed that it, what you weren't trying to I'm, I I think it was you that said you weren't trying to stop poverty uh, the cycle of poverty but you were trying to educate out of that.
1: In general, that's correct. I mean, the reality of it is is we're never going to break the cycle of poverty 100%. Our economy, unfortunately, somewhat is set up for that. But is what we want to do is stop stabilizing people in poverty. Uh, And a lot of programming historically, is that's what it did. It stabilized them in poverty. So today we believe that the pathway out of poverty is driven through education, whether it's life skill, job skill, and certainly formal education. So if you look at our breadth of programming, it all goes around education because we do feel that is the pathway out.
0: Hmm. And as that pathway of education, you deal with infants and toddlers, you deal with children, teens, adults, and seniors, and I'd like for you to really help people understand what your mission is at LifeWise STL. Can you kind of unpack each one of those a little bit about what you do? Obviously, I think for infants and toddlers, it's, it's kind of evident with an early childhood center, but go through each one of those five areas, if, if you would.
1: Well, I'd be happy to. So we do start at six weeks old uh, with an early child center. And it is so important because 85% of brain development happens by age five. So it's a real critical time in these little ones' lives. Um, So we are fully licensed and fully accredited. And in the city of St. Louis, only 5% of child care is fully licensed and accredited. So we do not only that education component and get them so they are kindergarten ready, but also am supporting the family so that the parents can be working and or bettering themselves to better their families from there we jump into a uh, after school program for elementary uh, age and middle school children um, and we've transformed it into more educational in the fact that so much of after school historically has been a little bit more of child care until parents can pick you up from uh, work. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is in, in St. Louis, only about 36% of our young scholars are reading at grade level. So we have really added more literacy components to that. It does make for a little bit of a longer day when they go to school for eight hours and then they're doing uh, literacy here for a couple more hours, but we also looked at maybe a little less fun when you're young, so you have the skill set to have a lot of fun the rest of your life. In addition to that, during the summer, we've always had what was considered a fun camp uh, with really a goal of keeping kids off the street and, and parents working. But again, with that literacy rate uh, that we have in the city, we've switched it over to a literacy camp uh, and have been using a model called the Freedom School model. It's a, a very empowering reading-based program. And if you think about it, if you can't read, you're not going to be able to do math or science or other things as well. So our kids suffer what's called summer slide. They'll traditionally lose a month and a half to three months' worth of learning every summer, and that's accumulative. So the goal of our summer literacy camp is to stop that slide. And we don't have this summer's results in, but uh, prior summers about 88% of our scholars have not experienced any summer slide and can gain up to a nine-month learning gain. From there, we jump into a high school after school program, which is very unique. We really had another one of those aha moments that, you know, we invest heavily in the early child center. We had this middle school and elementary school piece. But if kids don't finish high school, then all that work really didn't get uh, maximized. So we started what's called LifeWise Academy. We have 25 scholars at every grade level, 9th, 10th, and 11th. And our goal is to get them to graduate high school into something post-secondary versus whether it's job vocation, community college, or four-year college. And then we have an alumni advisor who follows them through their post-secondary piece to get them to graduate or finish that program, knowing that if they do that and have a skill set, they won't need us and neither were their kids. From there, we really know that uh, adults play a big part of children's lives, so we holistically support families in general and the adults as well. And historically, we had a social worker who really did what you mentioned, crisis management, put out fires in people's lives and worked with them in that way. We had a free food pantry, a free market. Um Today, that's converted over um, to adult programming around education. Uh, the one piece, the big piece is uh, economic mobility, we have three social workers that have been additionally trained and certified to be certified financial social workers, and they do a lot of classes, but even more important, one-on-one coaching uh, around it with individuals. And we have several programs within that, which is uh, called an IDA, which is something that was developed here at WashU, where they save like $2,000, and we get a match through the United Way of $4,000. And that gets them to build an asset, whether it's to buy a car, buy a house, start a business go back to school because when you're living in poverty not only are you dealing with shortfall day to day but you never build an asset and we all know that
2: homes and cars well maybe we lost scott there i can uh i have so many questions for scott (laughs) he is going a mile a minute but i know uh that during the covid crisis that they have cars lined up uh, to receive household items, food items, diapers, and from what I'm understanding, they're serving more than 300 families a week. Holy smokes! And uh, they're they're pulling up and driving. And he was just talking about uh, saving accounts, which I thought was interesting. And I know he's been a big advocate of putting a credit union and a bank right on site, right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that education of uh, finances to people it's huge. It is, and I don't, and I don't think there's a lot of organizations that really think about that. It's you know that actually have a class for adults or young adults even older adults about mm-hmm. saving money, uh, just being responsible, not bouncing checks. You know, just the, what what it takes, taking ten percent off the top and paying yourself. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever the you know. But th- there's not a lot of those kind of programs uh, that are involved there. So. Yeah, I, I was really uh, shocked at one of these. Scott st- Walker. There we go. Scott,
0: welcome back. Sorry about that. I think he's coming. I think
2: Chris is still working on it. Chris
0: is still working on them. Yeah. They had uh, 100% of their scholars in their high school academy program uh-huh. graduated from high school in four years, as compared to 53% in the five-year graduation in the city of St. Louis. Wow. That's, that's an unbelievable statistic. And – uh, like you were talking about Mark about the the whole financial and economic and savings and uh-huh. assets and things that he was talking about as with cars and homes. Sixty eight percent of their participants in that financial stability program increase their income, savings or assets, which improves your economic mobility. So you know, I was really shocked. I didn't know a whole lot about uh, LifeWise. I'd heard of Kingdom House, right? But I really didn't know exactly what they were doing. And they they have a uh, a really what I would call it a comprehensive and I know they hit, they kind of talked about this uh, in one of their videos on their website like from a cradle to grave kind of thing in a good way right to not not help people be dependent but to help them be
2: more independent uh-huh. and and part of that financial uh, equation I think is saving for an automobile how can you get a have a, a job I know of uh, my wife is in you know outreach for struggling communities and they they have a class at, at St. Louis Community Credit Union where they actually teach people. So i I have a little, I'm kind of familiar with it. Just kind of looking through the knot hole in the fence, but um, it's amazing for people to just get to that class. It may take them three hours mm-hmm. of you know taking a bus. Then doing a transfer, then taking another bus, and this is how some folks are going to work, right? You know, and now what are they making? They're making minimum wage. They're barely making enough just to even. Well, they're hopefully they're getting food stamps or whatever they call it now. Um, But I think part of the education there is let's try to help them get a car, Mm -hmm. and not just get the car, but then you have to pay the taxes and licenses on the car and the insurance, which that. That's more Illinois does that much better than Missouri does. Yes. It's it's kind of put into your loan. Not in Missouri, it's not.
0: You know, and one of the things I and you know, I think that would be a that's that's a really good thing we need to have a show on that and really talk to some legislators about that. But one of the things that has always bugged me is that you know, many people in the city they don't need a car. It's an extra burden expense. Right. Uh, you know, with the insurance, with the licensing, with the personal property tax, all of the above, and the maintenance of it. And sometimes people uh, will purchase a car, and then you, you know you see it you know three days later broken down on the road, or, or the thirty first day after the thirty day you know right uh, used car little warranty, uh-huh. and which really points to what is the transportation system in this. What is the transportation system in the St. Louis area, uh-huh. and how can it be improved to really improve uh, the lives of residents to help them get to uh, uh-huh. their their jobs? Scott, are you back now? We're having trouble hooking Scott into our system, so <laughs> Mark and I are going to keep talking because there is so much that they do, mm-hmm. and I and I want to kind of go back in this. They were the the uh, adults that they work with. They. They deal with uh, some adult education right, and that particular adult education is they do a lot of um, classes for uh, English speakers of other language the The other area like we've been talking about this whole uh, financial stability thing so some bridge, some health yeah. and wellness, they actually have fitness classes there because part of being an adult, and we just talked about this yeah. actually before he got on right was how are you you're keeping yourself healthy because right. if you're not healthy you can't really
2: help your family right and boy that's a that, that that's a whole nother show probably because the health of folks north of what Delmar Delmar is so much worse right than the folks south of of delmar right and working fitness keeping your 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 body strong mm-hmm. uh, and I know there's efforts now to get uh, vegetables into those communities because. Right. That was when I was mayor and I was up there in in, uh, in Pine Lawn. Uh, there there's no place to get vegetables up there. It's it's a issue for sure.
0: Yeah, and and Scott, are you back now? I am. We're gonna try it again. Wow. Right. You know, we we've been vamping and we're we're good at vamping. We've been talking about uh, so we've much. been talking about you. I don't know if your ears been burning, but uh, no talking about life wise STL we were talking about the health and wellness aspect under the adults that you have. That you set up your own. You have your own kind of um, uh, fitness classes and talk about nutrition, etc. And the bank. We
1: do. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not. Uh, most of our folks aren't going to be members at the at the Y or Gold's Gym. So um, our. Folks come in and exercise five nights a week. We started that out at four nights a week, and they wanted to do five. So I'm not sure how many of us do that five days a week, but <laughs> we have a different modality every night. Um, and then one night a week, they stay late, and they have a nutrition class that is uh, supported and run by uh, SLU or WashU students. Um, and they go home with a healthy, prepared meal. Uh, to be trying some new and different things, as well as realize that that's usually during the supper hour of five thirty to six thirty, and that way they don't have to be stressed to get home and and cook for their family. They can sit down and have a nice family meal.
0: Yeah, as as I'm and looking
1: from there, we really move on to our mental health component. So um, uh-huh. we all know that um, we have full plates in our lives today, and we need some help coping with a lot of that. And um, we work with uh, our participants on tools that. help them manage their day-to-day life so that they can maximize their potential uh, and overcome what any problems that they're working on.
0: Now, when the, you have a program called Social Capital Building, and as, as I look at this, uh, it's called Enlace, and it's a program that focuses on building social capital and access to resources for participants. What exactly, you know, uh, scope that out a little bit more for us.
1: Well, if you think about it, uh, um, especially for um, some of our foreign-born families, um, they don't have a real big network here in the States. They don't have a lot of family or they didn't grow up in St. Louis. and have that high school and all those connections and and know know their way around the city. So um, they become more dependent on organizations like us. So by building their social capital, we're creating a bigger network for them to be more self-sufficient in that way. Um, And so we expose them to not only what's available in the city, but um, what are traditions and how do you maneuver uh, around systems? What are recreational things that are available what are the zoo and things like that that are in st louis that broads the world and makes their world bigger and connects them to other people because the bottom line is is that if we have supportive people around us whether it's family neighbors or friends um it usually takes that to get through life today
0: And you just don't stop with the adults, but you really venture then into the last kind of section about seniors, yeah. And which which is huge, which is almost a I don't want to say a forgotten, but it's kind of a my words a ancillary kind of leftover. Oh, gee, what do we do now? We have seniors here. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's true, and and the reality is in the United States that our senior population is growing, and we have two programs there. We have what's called senior companions. Um, we have 50 low-income seniors who will go visit up to 150 homebound seniors um, every single week. It's not like most of our folks are going to be able to afford a nursing home. So by being able to be socialized and not be isolated um, and have our folks come visit with them, um, they can stay in their homes much, much longer and function at a much, much higher level.
3: Most of our seniors aren't going to be able to afford... uh nursing homes or assisted living environments so by us having volunteers that are seniors that go in and visit um and and talk about the different aspects of senior life and and can share those with each other um that socialization that happens so often as a senior gets stopped and people are able to stay in their homes longer uh which is a healthier happier situation for everybody Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, we have a newer program called Senior Resiliency. Every other week, we get a group of seniors together, 15 at a time, and we bring in different speakers and, and talk about the issues that affect seniors only. Um, and on top of that, they have a economic mobility component to that um, so that they can save for uh, some fun money. And it's interesting when we piloted that a couple years ago uh, of our pilot Half of the seniors, and now we're talking um, seventy and eighty year olds had never been banked before that point. Seriously. So yep, so that economic mobility piece uh, is important because when they were growing up, there was uh, the Jim Crow laws, mm-hmm. um, and it just wasn't what it is today and should be. Um so they're able to overcome what is often a lifetime uh, inability to use services and to get into better practices that, that cost them less money.
0: Now, a question I had was, how do people, where do you draw from? Uh, is this anybody in the city can, can can show up to the programs? Because you guys are located down on South 11th Street, uh, the 1300 block.
3: We are. We, we are in a neighborhood that kind of gets lost. It's uh, called LaSalle Park, um, and it gets lost because we are situated between downtown Lafayette Park and Soulard. And when folks look at uh, census block data information, this looks like it's a relatively prosperous area it's got a medium income of forty two thousand dollars but when you take the smaller track that we're in um the census track has got a medium income of fourteen thousand dollars and we have six public housing complexes in a uh, two and a half block radius so All right. historically because transportation would be an issue we were pretty local in a four or five zip code area that is closest to us but Today, with our programs having higher impact and folks having better mobility, we really do serve the whole city uh, area and, and are expanding into the some county spaces as well.
2: Hey, uh, Scott, um, I know that your team, uh, it was very important to your team to support the Census 2020. Can you uh, explain a little bit about why that was such an important um, drive for you?
3: Well, as we all know, that uh, the Census determines how our federal taxes are allocated back to states and communities. And if our community that we serve um, isn't represented at the level that it is in actuality, then those dollars are not going to come back to Missouri and St. Louis to support them and the the community we all live in. So we've been very active uh, in being sure that that happens, and we'll be very active in being sure that everybody votes as well.
0: Mm, Okay. Now, how do you get staff for this? Because it would seem like you, since you're covering you know, anywhere from infants and toddlers all the way to seniors, you need a variety of um, expertise and levels of uh, education and yeah. competence. Uh, how, do, how do you uh, seek uh, staff?
3: Well, as we've transitioned uh, from our programming from stability to educational components and pathways out, we've really transitioned our staff as well. Um, You know, anybody that works in the nonprofit has a great passion uh, for the service that they're doing, but the reality in a large way is that our participants' situations are complicated, so we really feel you need a professional staff. So we've hired... uh, and staff a lot more uh, social workers, a lot more master-level um, staff um, than we have ever in the past um, because that gives us the knowledge and the expertise to have a greater impact on our participants. And we supply our participants what we would want for
0: ourselves, and that's the best team possible. That's a great way to do that. If, if How would you want it to work for you? That's what you need to do. I, I I admire Absolutely. you and I compliment you on that because that's rarely done.
3: Well, we have you know the work we're doing and the impact we have is really a direct result of our staff, and we have a very talented, passionate staff. And in the nonprofit world, a high, the highest percentage of you heard budget is staff because it's so program um, moved and and run and um, our staff brings a lot of experience, um, a lot of ingenuity. We also empower them to think out of the box and try new things and and that's why the lending circles, uh, which I think we got cut off of from before, but we actually have a program in our economic mobility piece where Um, six folks come together and let's say they bring a hundred dollars each to the table. Um, and there's a $600 pot every month that gets lent out to one of those members Next month, when they come back, they pay in their hundred dollars. They're paying back the group that lent them the the six hundred, and we're members of Credit Builders Alliance, and we can report that as a loan repayment. Mm -hmm. So we can take somebody that has no credit rating in six months, up to over six hundred, and have people recure re their credit rating through this program as well. But that's the type of activity that comes out of a, uh,
2: a talented staff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's incredible. Yeah, that's, and I know you're uh, looking to try to have uh, credit unions and banks right there on site w- with your uh, organization. Is that right?
3: We do. So we have a wonderful partnership with um, the St. Louis Community Credit Union. And back in 2012, I actually put in – what was our conference room at the time it was called a micro branch Um, and it's a walk-in 310 square feet space that anything you can do in a bank uh, could be done here in that credit union and that's so important because we were our neighborhood is a financial institute desert there are no ATM machines there are no banks in our immediate neighborhood and accessibility is huge um, so we really value that partnership with uh, the St. Louis Community Credit Union to bring that to this community.
0: What's been the response from your neighborhood as it relates to the services uh, You know, over the long term? How, has the word gotten out? Have more people from the neighborhood taken advantage of the services that you offer?
3: Well, the word has gotten out. And I think um, is what you see is we actually serve less people today than we did 12 years ago. Yay. But... but Part of what we have to do in the nonprofit world is we need to create more success because not everybody is ready to do the hard work it takes to to get yourself out of poverty or have been exposed to the tools to get themselves out. So we need to create more success. So 10 years ago, our average adult would have only been in the building three times uh, a year in programming. Um... Today, our average adult is in the building 49 times a year. Wow. wow. And that's the type of hard work and dedication that our participants have to work to get a better life for them and their families. And mm-hmm. everything we do, we try to do in a real empowering way. Um, another example of that is, is we had a food pantry mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of years, and we converted it over to a food market and tried to bring in healthier food. and um, right. And it's... Low, it's subsidized, so a gallon of milk is a dollar fifty versus three fifty to four dollars a gallon. And is what that is is when our folks shop that, that means they are providing for their family, not life wise. They're buying and providing for their family. So that's an example of how we try to do things in a very empowering, dignified way. Mm
0: -hmm. So, how are you supported as as a not for profit? I know you're you actually are uh, one of the Original members with the United Way, is that correct?
3: So we are one of the uh, founding agencies, not founding agencies, but one of the original agencies of the United Way back in 1922 and 23. And we are fortunate enough to have been a part of the United Way all these years. And as the United Way has transitioned to a new model this year, um, mm-hmm. they have acknowledged a group of nonprofits as their safety net agencies, and we are excited to be a part of that um, for the next three years to have the impact. On top of that, we do have some government funding around uh, our early Head Start and our Senior Companion Program, but we raise over 50% of the money independent of that through individuals and foundations, and that individual and foundation piece is a piece that grows every single year because there's not a lot of increase in government funding available.
0: Now, if if people are kind of a little more curious about uh, LifeWise STL, and would like to volunteer. Are there opportunities for them to participate in, in many of the things that you've talked about?
3: There is. And, uh, you know, pre-COVID and post-COVID, um, times, we have about 25,000 hours of volunteerism that gets done here. Um, We are bringing volunteers more and more back into in a very social distance, smaller way um, to do some programming. Um, But uh, volunteers are a huge part of what we get done. I I often say if we were a corporation, uh, we'd have three times the amount of staff that we have. And we cover that difference with volunteers. Uh, sure. But right now, um, you know, we're doing three different COVID relief programs and, and volunteers are a big part of helping us do that.
2: I know. I oh, We were talking, I think you were <laughs> trying to get back with us, but you're serving more than 300 families a week uh, through the drive-up food and household items and things like that. It's just fantastic. Right. Yeah.
3: Well, you know what? The, the Like I explained earlier, we do a, our pantry and do it itself empowering way when you have the covid kick in and are up to 14 percent plus unemployment and in our community it was probably over well over 20 you do have to stabilize the family um so they don't lose their home so they don't lose their apartment so they can eat so yeah we are averaging over 350 families uh coming through every thursday um through two different drive-up, drive-through our parking lots, um, where they get a box of produce and um, several bags of groceries, depending on family size, and and diapers, which are a necessity.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: um, To try and keep them stabilized until things come back. And Mm -hmm. and then on top of that, especially for our uh, immigrant community, we were able to have a relief fund to help with utilities and uh, rent um, to keep them stabilized in their homes. Mm -hmm. And then the last piece we did is, you know, when this hit um, early before summer, a lot of our youth are in camps or summer school, and they, when they're in camps and summer school, they get a breakfast and a lunch. But when those were all shut down, that support system was lost, so we also operated three feeding sites uh, for breakfast and lunch. For folks could drop in do a carry carryout uh, back home uh, to keep the kids fed over the summer. Man,
0: oh man! I, I just want to say congratulations on what you're doing, and it's it's you know we we enjoy having not-for-profit groups talk about their mission and what they are doing and have accomplished and some of the future goals. So I, I will ask you that: uh, What's a future goal that you have for Lifewise STL? <laughs>
3: Well, I think we have two big ones. Um, One is is that we we don't want to invest in more capital buildings. We want to take our programs and the higher impact that they have into other communities and and partner with other nonprofits to do this work. Um, The second thing we really want to do is, to team up and break down the systemic barriers that uh, keep our families from having the success they need. Um, There's a lot of things here in the states um, that we need to adjust and and overcome past history, and because the nonprofit world can work day and night, but if these systemic barriers are still there, we're not going to have the impact we're capable of
0: having. That's a great statement. So, if people want to donate uh, either funds, uh, what do they do, and can they have some in-kind donations?
3: Absolutely. So um, the best way for funds and to learn about volunteering is to go to our website, which is obviously www.lifewisestl.org. Um, and then also in kind. Um, we're here. We've been open every single day during COVID, um, have daytime Hours of uh, 6.30 to uh, 5.30, and they can just come and drop off at our back door and press a button and any kind of stuff that they might have um, during this time.
0: And you have some lists on your website of things that you actually are uh, needing or some suggested donations.
3: We do. We have several different lists of uh, by by program and by need uh, of of things that we need, and also some of those lists can be uh, used as a, a fun neighborhood to go. We've had several folks do uh, drop off porch. Uh, drives you know in a neighborhood where everybody drops off food at one porch and then uh, people bring it down and we've had churches uh, not only financially support us but do a diaper drive competition between churches and and uh, they rip, they came up with over 30,000 diapers wow. um, so there's just a lot of ways during COVID when we're trying to be more social distance um, to help and I think People are looking for ways to help. They're stuck at home a little bit more and not getting to do it, but they really want to make this a, a better community, and, and this is one way they can do it.
0: Well, Scott Walker, President and CEO of Lifewise STL, I want to thank you uh, for being on the show today. And kind of uh, enduring through our little uh, technical glitches and difficulties. I really think the things that you guys are doing are unbelievable. We were shaking our head when you were saying some of the things, like, holy cow, I can't believe that's going on.
2: Yeah, we're very, uh, Scott, we're very thankful for your uh, commitment, your dedication uh, to this cause. It's just, uh, it's just very endearing and just it's great <laughs> so, yeah.
3: well thank you and it, it gets back to what we talked about earlier it's, it's, it's I want others to have what my kids and my family are able to have and and, and that's the way it should be